Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrel pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, Seth Lugo doesn't believe in the opener, but you know what? I do. Wow. Wow. I see what you did there. You like that? We're reverting my, to dad My emotions humor. did a big swing. I thought I was about to have to fight you on the merits of the opener in Major League Baseball. The starter of this podcast, the star of the show, is one Hannah Kaiser, national baseball writer at Yahoo, also the host of Yahoo's video series called The Bandwagon. She was nice enough to join us to be the next in our season preview series, What Will Define Baseball in 2020. Uh, and we, it was a wide-ranging conversation. We talked about the Reds. We talked about Michael Lorenzen's forearms. We talked about whether Bryce Harper will ever get traded from the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh my God. We talked, we, we talked about her hometown for like maybe 10 minutes. Hannah was nice enough to join us for the second time. She joined us during last year's season to, uh, talk about the bandwagon. Um, she will be the second in our series about our season preview series about what will define baseball in 2020 three-part series yeah seriously a whole three-part series um if you happen to miss last week's episode it was with john mcgee one of the co-hosts of bat flips and nerd a uk-based british baseball podcast um they have a blog as well and it's all good stuff so go subscribe to that um follow them on twitter at bat flips underscore nerds uh we're gonna get to hannah in just a second but before we do that i am bobby wagner i'm alex basley and this is tipping pitches Alex, we have a repeat guest. It is Hannah Kaiser, national baseball writer at Yahoo. Is that the correct title for you, Hannah? That's the correct title. Thank you for getting that right. We nailed it. Uh, we are lucky enough to be joined by Hannah Kaiser once more. We uh, we were joined by her last season uh, to talk about the bandwagon a lot. And I want to talk about that a little bit more with you, but maybe we'll we'll start with the preview segment that we're here to do. Um, we, we wanted to have you on to talk about what will define baseball in 2020, but um, I, I kind of wanted to ask you to start like what you're most excited for because we're like three weeks out and Alex and I have spent a lot of time this offseason talking about what we are least excited for. Um, <laughs> well, I can't, I can't <laughs> imagine. What are you least excited for? <laughs> we also, the last time we had you on, we were talking about like the nature of fandom and yeah. like the strike and those are all very interesting topics, but I feel like we always walk away from those conversations being like, okay, I need to decompress. So like, what are you, what are you excited to watch? What are you, what are you like happy about coming into the I year? I know it's, it's, it's officially March. We can officially be like baseball is here. I should start looking at tickets. So what, what gets your, your blood pumping this year for baseball? Um, well, I'll be leaving for spring training tomorrow for Arizona spring training. I was just, I just got back from Florida spring training and I'll be leaving for Arizona spring training. So baseball is very here in my life actually already. I've like, it, it's, I forget actually sometimes that like spring training is not the real season. Cause it's, it is for me as far as like work goes. Um, okay. What am I, ex- <laughs> what am I excited about? 
Um, we are doing a series at Yahoo. Our, our season preview is including a piece um, where we're all doing bold predictions for the year. Mm. And I'm going to spoil mine by telling it to you guys because it answers <laughs> this question very well. And I also haven't written it yet. So maybe I'll just go back and listen to this podcast and transcribe whatever it is I say. It's like verbal notes, you know? Exactly. Yeah, like, exactly. I'll turn that in. out loud to a tape recorder. <laughs> um, so, okay. Hear me out. The bold prediction is that we're going to get a whole bunch of teams and analysts and fans, and basically everyone in baseball is going to start talking about two-way players. That like, mm. it wasn't actually Shohei Otani that was the 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 pivot point, although he is the pivot reason. It will be the rule changes this year. So. Again, this is where we get to the bold prediction. The bold prediction was that, like, that basically, um, whether or not you qualify for a two to be a two way player is going to become like normal sort of baseball analytical parlance uh, because they've introduced a bunch of new rules and we haven't, like, basically, no one has been talking about the rule changes because of uh, sign stealing, which we're not going to talk about on this podcast. Um, and and I mean, by all means, if you feel really strongly that you have a sign stealing take that no, no one has gotten out there yet, you can <laughs> share it. There is please. definitely no take that has that has not been said by at least like 17 different people on Twitter. Um, but because of this, we haven't been talking that much about the rule changes and the implications of the rule changes, which is the kind of thing that like generally baseball people love to be talking about this time of year. And the one that I actually think is going to end up affecting the two-way player a lot is like the most boring one of those, which is the, you can only carry 13 pitchers. Mm -hmm. So it's like you get 26 men on your, on your roster this year, but you can only carry 13 pitchers unless you're the angels. The angels have a 14th pitcher in Shohei Otani. And that is such a explicit loophole. Like basically they were like, look, we get it. We are going to give you this 26 man and you're all going to want to just, carry another reliever which is very boring we don't want you to do that and so we're limiting the number of pitchers Shohei Otani forces us to write this loophole into it and it forces us to sort of quantify what it looks like to be a two-way pitcher now the other 29 teams are not going to sit around and be like oh okay they get to have an extra pitcher because they have this cool guy on their team. And so like as cool as Shohei Otani is, and that's I guess the thing that I'm most excited for like the actual baseball thing I'm excited for is to see Shohei Otani go back to pitching. I'm really excited to hear for him to be like full fledged two way player who is not just like making his debut, but like a, like a entrenched part of the major league baseball American universe. And also being on the same team as Mike Trout, like, like that, that sort of like, okay, we all get like a full year of appreciating Shohei Otani will be really cool. But I think even more than that, what we'll see is like, because he represents this very explicit loophole, he's the only one. So they wrote the rules such that he is the only one who qualifies much to Michael Lorenzen's chagrin. Uh, <laughs> and, but in Great having, socks on that guy, by the way. I, the high socks look fantastic on him these days. Great, also, the great arms, too. Arms, My yes, God. Yes, I have. <laughs> arms if, and socks. I, people should never like pimp their own tweets but like if you just go to and search <laughs> Hannah Kaiser Michael Lorenzen I have like a done a once got very bored and did a Twitter thread of all the most extreme photos of his biceps um so you can look at that on my Twitter uh, <laughs> but so so they wrote the rule such that it only applies to Shohei Otani it's 20 starts as a position player and 20 innings as a pitcher 
But given those benchmarks, I think we're going to see a bunch of teams do weird shit to try to hit those benchmarks. Interesting. That's a very <laughs> long-winded way of saying, like, basically... I was like, wait, ma- we just got to the bold prediction. <laughs> basically, Major League Baseball is saying, if your pitcher makes 20 starts as a position player, you can carry a 14th pitcher. Right. And enough teams, I think, will be like, yeah, we could, like, punt on this year and start some reliever in left field 20 times. Like, like I think we're going to get some weird shit because, like, because it's such a, like, there's no rule that exists that is not going to attempt to be exploited. And this one, they had to put the loophole in it explicitly. And yeah. so I think that we're going to get a bunch of teams being like, okay, what's, like, the bare minimum thing we could do to get this 14th pitcher? Yeah, this feels like <laughs> it's a very Major League Baseball thing to do that like one player comes up who kind of like defies the the norm of the game. And so Major League Baseball just like kind of hastily rewrites the rule book to apply to this one pitcher, not really considering the fact that other players like this may come along or teams may just be like, oh, here's a very obvious way for us to do X, Y, and Z, right? Like I can imagine Rob Manfred in like six to eight months being like, wait, 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 no, 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 guys, Travis Wood can't just play left field for 20 innings out of the year. Like, no, he's a piece like you're gonna be like, like we only back. wanted that to apply to Shohei Otani. Yes, everybody yes, else exactly. is gonna be like, yeah, no, we know, but you wrote the rule this particular way, so now we're gonna try to take advantage of it. Like the the Padres are already saying, like, so they have um, a two way player, and I have his name written down because I do not know it off the top of my head. Uh, Jake Crowenworth, the minor leaguer, they want him to be a, a two way player, and that's a name. Yeah, for sure. And, um, it's okay if you've never heard it, because neither have I. Um, <laughs> and they were basically like, "Yeah, we're going to try to get him to pitch like one inning a week, but you can only." So the other the other rule is position players can only pitch in blowouts or extra innings, right? And so it's like they're basically just going to be like this dude every time it's extra innings, he's just going to come in and throw one inning. Like, yeah, that was going to be my other question. The opposite version of putting your reliever in left field is just putting your left fielder in for every single position player pitching need. Exactly, right. It's like every time that like every time you're losing by 7 runs, this guy's going to pitch and just hopefully that happens enough times that he gets 20 innings by the end of the year. Like I just think we're going to see some weird stuff because of that. And not only are we going to see weird stuff, but it's going to be it's going to work its way into the dialogue. Like it's going to be like Oh, he's like, like, we're gonna, like, come September, it's gonna be like, this guy's, you know, like three and a third innings short of meeting the, the two way player mark. And so he's pitching the final game of the year, even though he's a left field or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like stuff like that. Because it's, because it's this like very prescribed guidelines and because it's in effect for the next year. So it's like, if you're having a bad year, you can you can li- quite literally invest in next year by doing weird stuff this year. I yeah, this feels just ripe for baseball Twitter going absolutely batshit crazy over some rooting for like Christian Bethancourt in yeah game one sixty or something like that uh, th- to get through five innings yeah, like under yeah, eighty exactly. pitches or something yeah. 
I love this answer so much, and I love that it, it's the type of answer that could only come from someone who writes about baseball and has to think of ideas constantly. <laughs> I really, I sold myself on it as I was talking, so I'm definitely going to go back and listen to this podcast and tell my editor not to listen to it so I can write down everything I said. Well, I don't think that your you. editor is tuning into this podcast. It's, it's very unlikely. But, but, thank, but thank, you, thank you for scooping yourself on this podcast. I know, I know. You guys got an exclusive. we will market the hell out of that i'm sure um so you know we're very excited for many things uh position players pitching and pitchers playing positions uh, are two of those things but uh you know we wanted to bring you on and we've been bringing on a couple people and uh in the lead up to the season um just to talk about like sort of big picture concepts of how we think baseball in 2020 will be defined so you know, you alluded to science stealing, and it's something that we've been talking about so much in this offseason. And we want to kind of try to avoid talking about that uh, intentionally. <laughs> uh, we want to intentionally <laughs> avoid talking about that um, heading into the season because, like, at the end of the day, as much as we hate this game, we also love this game. So, for you, as someone who's going into another 162 game season of covering the sport day in and day out, um, do you have any good guesses of what you think is going to define this season in baseball? And and if not, like, why are you lost in the wilderness? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm lost in the wilderness because I've only been writing about the Astros. No, I actually do have, I have like a good, I think I have a good answer to this one. I thought about it a little bit. Um, and it's like a thing that sounds like a bad thing, but I, I like, I'm good. I think it's a good thing. Okay. I think that a lot of teams that are, a lot of teams that are quote unquote going for it are going to miss the playoffs. And that is a good thing. Like, I think what's going to end up coming to define this season is like um, a bunch of really disappointed fan bases, which uh, is the negative. Get pumped. (laughs) The positive is that I think that like, that's kind of like a healthy sports league. Like I actually think that we're going to be like, Oh, turns out not that many teams are tanking this year. And like, there's just not enough room for all the teams who like made interesting moves. I'm basically saying that I think the health of the game is a little bit better than it's been in past years. And that we are going to start to realize that when like the Phillies are in fourth place and we're like, but they're so good. And it's like, yeah, actually the NL East is pretty good now. Like it's like interesting all up and down and they're not necessarily going to make it. And people are going to be like, wait, but I thought you were saying this was the white Sox year. And it's like, yeah, no, they got good, but they didn't actually get good enough. And like, that's a good thing. Like I think so rarely lately, I think we've been conditioned lately to think that all the teams that acquired good players in the off season will make the playoffs. And anyone who didn't acquire good players in the off season, will just miss the playoffs. And I think we're going to actually see this year some positive disappointment in the sense of like, hey, I thought my team was going for it. And you're like, yeah, they really are. They're definitely going for it. They're trying really hard. They are just, I'm sorry, Reds, like you got a lot better and you were like on the cusp last year. And so you, you know, invested in your team and you were like, maybe this is our year. And it turns out it's not your year. And you're like, that's great. I'm glad that you, I'm still glad that you went for it. You're coming after my bandwagon team. She comes on the pod, not even 15 minutes in, and she takes down the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> but with Lorenzen and his arms. <laughs> no, I think that's a very salient point. Like, as an A's fan, I was much happier watching last season or the or the year prior rather than, like, 
mid 2000s A's teams that were perennially like winning 80 games and I knew had absolutely zero chance of making a run for it. And I'm like, I'm just tuning in to watch Jermaine Dye or Bobby Crosby or something like that. Um, Is there something that you think changed? Do you think it was a a change in the way that teams approached the offseason? Do you think that any of the rule changes had something to do with it? I mean, I think people have been trying to figure that out in general, sort of since, I guess, since December of last year, since the winter meetings, everyone was kind of like, why was this offseason so much better? And um, I think the offseason was better in part just because of literally who was available. Like, you know, a lot of, a lot of like extremely top tier starting pitching talent that like just sort of people weren't going to sit on their hands and wait around for Garrett Cole. Um, and, and like, you know, some pieces falling caused other pieces to fall. And so that made everybody move a little bit faster. I, I think particularly in juxtaposition to the last off season, like, I think part of what we're seeing is a backlash maybe to last off season with the Bryce Harper, Manny Machado off season. And I think that off season in some respects, like what we, what happened there was like those two guys maybe weren't actually worth worth I hate saying worth because I don't mean that in like a money sense but I mean like they're not as big of a difference maker as a Garrett Cole or a Steven Strasburg and so be they were the happened to be the biggest names and they because they were the biggest names it took a really long time for them to sign and because they took a really long time to sign it felt like a really slow offseason whereas like this offseason it was really top heavy in terms of like teams actually really 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 wanted the best free agents and that just caused everything to like move a little faster um, and I think that movement sort of begets more movement. I don't fully know. I mean, if I, if I, if I knew exactly how, if I knew why uh, baseball, some baseball off seasons felt healthier than others, I would be working for the PA. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with the end of that sentence. I was wondering if we were going to be like, I'd be a baseball GM or something. Like that. That, that too. But like, right. It's like, I think we could, we don't fully know why teams were spending more money this year. Um, but it does feel like, I mean, that's my, that's my, that's my prediction. I wonder if we actually, if that sort of narrative will actually sort of come to define the baseball season. Cause it feels like a tricky thing for us to notice as it's happening. But I think at least by the end of the year uh, and the negative side of this is that I think we're going to see a lot of front office people in hot seats. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going to see a lot of like teams and fan bases that are like, what the hell you told us we were going out and getting Anthony Rendon and, you know, yeah. locking up however many years of Mike Trout. How come we're still not in the playoffs? I think you can make the case that this kind of moves in cycles though, you know, because with the way that player development changes every decade or decade and a half or two decades or whatever it is, where you have these new ways of thinking implemented, I think you can make the case that like every team has at least a handful of players that they can be excited about right now. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe not every single team, but even you look like I, I find, and maybe they're just vocal on Twitter, but I find the Mariners fan base to be one of the most 
like despondent fan bases outside of the Mets. And the Mets fan base is ridiculous. They don't always have reason to be as despondent as they are. They're just melodramatic. I mean, the Mets are going to be like legit good this year. And the fan base is already like, I know. It's like, okay, they're going to be good. Like, I don't even know what you're doing. I can dunk on them because I am one of them. So, but you know, you look at the Mariners and like, they, they have a couple really interesting, fun young prospects coming up. And, and some of like the most like could go either way prospects in baseball. And, it it just feels like you could make the case that now that each team has sort of developed players internally, they could talk themselves into contending in yeah. a way that makes it more likely that they would go out and sign a couple of players in the offseason. Now, I don't think that like the health of the game is particularly great at the moment, but at least for like one year at a time, it does sort of feel like what you're saying is true. And that I, I like enough teams can talk themselves into contending that it's uh it's going to be a fun season. Right. Like it actually sort of like a smarter baseball historian or someone who's better at quantifying these things than me could probably look into like, maybe it's literally just like the right cyclical, like we're hitting a crest. Like you could maybe work backwards and figure out like, when did everyone start to take player development seriously? And are we hitting kind of like, the critical mass point at which like the last adopters of that are now finally seeing payoffs in a way that, right, exactly. Like it's like, there probably is some actual reason that goes, that requires you to hit like step way, way back and look at like, okay, when did all of these teams start to invest or when, when did kind of, when did, I'm trying to think of this like a milder term than tanking, but like when did tanking come into vogue in such a way that it would like pay off for all of these teams? It just feels like there's a lot of teams that last year were like maybe next year. And I'm like, Ooh, I think too many teams said that. (laughs) (laughs) I think too many of you. You know, you guys can't all get in. (laughs) Right. And I think that's a really good thing. And I'm really, really glad that there's like more teams than there are actual playoff spots. And, you know, uh, we can talk about this, but like, I think that's a reason to not expand the postseason. I think like you should in fact have more teams trying to make the postseason than will yes. make the postseason because sometimes yes. we've had the case where like not more teams are trying to make it than can make it and somebody like fails their way into it and it feels like we're not going to get that this year which is nice it feels like we're going to get like legitimate like it feels like even the even like the blue jays if they are like a wild card, like if the Blue Jays are like a second wild card team somehow, I still feel like people will be like, cool, they're only like a year ahead of schedule as opposed to like, oh, we just have too many postseason spots and some undeserving teams didn't, and some undeserving teams made it. Yeah. That, <laughs> so uh, the what you're saying is the headline that will dominate 2020 is uh, even even the Blue Jays were like were like <laughs> hanging around there, right? You can even like sense like a little wavering in your voice. There was like a, <laughs> like a slight pause. You were like, even the Blue Jays? Do I want to go down this road? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like I was like, is that too far? Like White Sox for one thing. Yeah. But. The, even the Orioles, man. If you uh, squint yeah. enough, that your oh, eyes are closed I and you're just, dreaming. I was just in Orioles camp, and that's like legitimately. Because of this entire narrative that I have just talked about for however long, it makes Orioles camp an even weirder place to be. I was like, what are these people doing? They're going to make a truck. <laughs> like, I was like, they have, they're like the only, like, like literally, I, this is like a, like a legitimate question. Like, what do you think are the teams that have no hope this year? 
teams that have no hope. Um, the so the, the, the Orioles are like the center of the bingo card, right? Like that's yeah, our, yeah. our free space. Um, Can we make a bingo? Can we make bingo out of this? Let's make it. Let's. Uh, so we got the free spaces, the Orioles, the Marlins. I feel like I have no chance. I yeah. I, th- I think the the Mariners and the Tigers, Tigers are the other two who like stick out to me. But like that's not bad. That's only four teams. Yeah. Five, four teams. Who else is trying to like, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it feels like there's more, there's yeah. less of like that team is not, I mean, Pittsburgh. Okay, fine. So Pittsburgh catch me Googling like list of MLB teams right now to, to I, check I, yeah, what okay. I, uh, yeah, the pirates have no chance. Pirates have no chance. I, I would say that the giants are probably not in the mix at all this year. Yeah. They just lost their best pitcher and they, they, uh, seems like they're in a rebuilding cycle. But that's that's pretty much it. Everybody else I could be convinced. But um, you know, like I would I would I would say that the Diamondbacks don't have a great chance this year, but then again, I thought that last year when they traded away their good players and tried to tank for the rest of the year and then still somehow almost made the playoffs. Yeah, well, they won like eighty five games. So like <laughs> same with the Giants last year for a little bit. But right, it does feel like it does feel in even even divisions that have a clear winner, like maybe like the Yankees in the AL East, even the teams that have a clear winner, you're still like, but those other teams could make the playoffs. Like the yeah. Rays could make the playoffs, even though, the, and like, even, I mean, right. It just, it looks like when you go sort of division by division, you're like, all right. Yeah. It feels like we're going to get like a lot of good races. That's my, yeah. look at how optimistic I am on <laughs> in early March. I'm like, every single division is going to be a good race. <laughs> That's, so that is definitely not actually going to be the storyline of the year, but that's my extremely optimistic take. I'm like smiling while recording this podcast for the first time, in like two years. All right. Well, I'm going to, let me, let me maybe wipe the smile off your face. Okay, here he comes to pour, pour a little cold water. Well, and I am, I'm interested in seeing, cause like, I, I don't think you're wrong about that, Hannah. There are a, a lot of teams that I'm like, particularly excited to watch um like the like the red like like the padres it's 2020 and i'm like excited to tune into padres games i'm interested to see how gms might react to that you know like react to that kind of like going for it missing and then that kind of reevaluation period like the like the red Sox had last year where it was like we can't quote unquote afford to to have these near misses or whatever. Like it's I feel like baseball I mean. front offices are that's, yeah, yeah. Yes, Go that's ahead. very much the like right. This prediction is like, oh, there's gonna be lots of races. The other prediction is like lots right, lots of fan bases are going to be disappointed because they thought their teams were going to make the playoffs and they didn't. And then lots of GMs are going to be answering for like, well how come you you know, signed whoever you signed and then we missed right. the playoffs. And it's like, because that's how baseball's supposed to work, but you're right. That's not going to be how they actually react to it. Yeah. I mean, I think of like a, a division like the AL central where like, you know, if you have not been paying close attention, you probably don't realize how like much better the twins are protected to be than the Indians are just based on how, how well the Indians have done for the last three years. And like the, the Indians are a team that sort of feels on the other side of that realization where like the ownership was like, uh, I'm actually not really interested in getting kind of close every year. You know, I'm interested in making more money and well, yeah. probably in two years we'll, we'll maybe look back on this conversation and not say that we were wrong, but say that like the GMs just changed their mind or not that the GMs changed their mind, but that the owners coerced the GMs into changing their minds. Yeah. I'm afraid that like, this will be the peak of that. 
Like it, right. It's like, it's like if that, if this, if I am best case scenario, I'm right. And there are lots of really interesting division races. And I still think even in the best case scenario version, that doesn't mean like, and then everyone decides what a fun baseball season. We should do that every year. That's like, that's def- that's not what's happening at all. Like maybe we <laughs> get a bunch of fun. Up. Yeah. Maybe we get a bunch of fun baseball season, baseball races. And if we do see now we've basically just diagnosed like what's actually wrong with baseball in general is that like either teams predict that they're going to be bad and deliver on that or we get a year in which there are a lot of like cool tight fun races and then you get the Red Sox firing Dave Dombrowski and letting and trading Mookie Betts and David Price like it's like you can't have both (laughs) like the GMs or the owners or whatever like the the owner well the owners more than anything the owners are unwilling to just do the like wow what a great baseball season guys let's do it again next year thing like I, I say we get rid of wins and losses, we get rid of standings, and they're just all playing for fun, you know? Because, like, isn't that what it's all about? Who who cares if you're pl- paying Bryce Harper $300 million to just, like, go out there and hit a home run every few games? I'm okay with that. Here's a real question. Do you think, based on last year, so I've been thinking about this a lot, based on the way last year went and based on the fact that, like, the Phillies are, like, my I, are like the my poster team for this theory, like the poster team of, of the, like we sold our fan base on look at how much we're going for it. And we still might miss the playoffs two years in a row. And like, to me, I'm like, Philly fans take that so well though. Right. I know. I know. I'm notoriously, And I'm like trying really hard. Like I'm, I'm imploring any media members listening to this podcast to be like, please, from now until October, can we spin this as a good thing? That it's, like, <laughs> it's good because otherwise, I can totally see how we're going to get like extremely fatalistic, like trade deadline approaching stories about how like the Phillies should tear it all down and trade Bryce Harper. Do you think the Phillies trade Bryce Harper at any point before his contract is up, or do they? I know he has a no trade clause and that he would have to approve it. Whatever, whatever. But you know what I mean. What, what is wow. his opt out? Do you, does anyone know that? Is there any opt-out or no? I think there is no opt-outs. I think he's in no oh trade clause and no opt Can you imagine signing up for something for 13 years with no opt-out? For I $300 million, dollars, I absolutely yeah. can imagine doing that. <laughs> but but Philadelphia, know, like, come on. I, hey, Philly is a We could do a whole podcast on how Philly is a great city. Wait, again, I'm also from Philly, so I can I can fairly have that opinion, you know? Yeah, but it's a great city to live in. He right, actually right. lives in my hometown. Um, this is a bunch of Phillies live there. Uh, I was like just talking to uh, Zach Wheeler about it because he also is moving to my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like at you're just like at Starbucks, and it's like Zach Wheeler and Bryce Harper walk in. It's just hey, everybody. It's like kind of a thing. So a bunch of it's like a. Uh, I'm really like, I'm I'm really. I'm really like selling myself out as like a extremely upper middle class person now. Um, I'm like from this overly adorable town that's like uh, literally like one square mile and a whole bunch of athletes live there. Like every single Flyers player lives there. And we used mm. to live across the street from some Eagles player. Like they all live there because it's very, very accessible to the to the part of the South Philly where the stadiums are. And it's yeah. also like got a great school system it's just very funny i was like in the phillies clubhouse and i was talking to zach wheeler and he was like i was like oh you know how's it being how's it like adjusting to the new team and everything he's like it's good it's good i'm like 
looking for a house now. And I was like, yeah, where? And he was like, oh, um, not actually Philly. And I was like, South Jersey. And he was like, yeah, but it's like a tiny town. It's like Haddonfield. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, no, no, I, I'm from there. You all live there. It's great. And he was like, he was like, yeah, a bunch of guys live there. And I was like, yeah, it's, yeah. That's <laughs> he was like, how'd you know? It's such a small town. And I was like, yeah. It's like, and I was like, you've been, he was like, yeah, I was just there looking at houses. He was like, we were eating at this, this like restaurant. I was like, Corner Bistro, and he was like, "Yeah." Oh and my like, god! Yeah, one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, so all the, this, we got way off track. All the all the Phillies live in my hometown. Um, it's a modern company town. We're just we're headed towards the Philly, just buying up parcels of land and building homes <laughs> for their players. It's like I texted my parents. I texted my entire family chat. So I have like a very active family chat, and like I texted them like while I was still in the clubhouse. Um, I was like, oh, you know, Zach Lurie's moving to town too. Cause they, they like to keep, they like always, they know this and they like find it charming that like all these athletes live there. I was like, Zach Lurie's moving to town too. And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah, you know, he's thinking about having kids. He's like, just got married and like school system, blah, blah, blah. My parents were like, how many bedrooms he's looking for? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. And they were like, I see if he's interested in our place. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just like brokering a deal between your parents and Zach Miller? My parents have been talking about, so my my littlest brother is, is this is like not a podcast material anymore. Now we're just chatting. My littlest brother is 21. My oldest sister is 31. So they've been, they like finally got all the kids out of the house and they've been talking for years about how they're going to sell the house. And so they were like, oh yeah, see if, uh, see if Wheeler's interested. And I was like, guys, I'm not going to do that. That's weird. <laughs> Like, hey, Jack, spin rate looking really good on the curveball in spring training. Uh, was also wondering how many bedrooms you're looking for. Yeah, how, like, many, what? how many bedrooms? Uh, it's walkable to the elementary school if you're interested. <laughs> yeah, Bryce Bryce Harper just sleeps in the room that I once slept in. No big deal. Yeah. Right. I, Wait, so I, the, I, the original question was what? Bryce, do we think Bryce Harper's going to get traded? What was that, like well, 15 I minutes guess it's ago? Like, we got do we think the Phillies will make the postseason while he's still good? Corollary question: Will they attempt to trade him at some point? I, I don't know. How nice is Haddonfield? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's super cute. Are we talking farmhouse sink, or are we talking like three and a half? Uh, yeah, What's the situation? Uh, if you're listening, Zach, <laughs> <laughs> I think that the Phillies will. And I live in perpetual fear of the Phillies being good because all of my friends are Phillies fans and they hate me for being a Mets fan. But, um. I think that the Phillies will be good while Bryce Harper is still good because he's like kind of ridiculously young still. And I think that he profiles to age well playing in Citizens Bank Park so long as they don't tear it down and build a a pitcher's ballpark that's not friendly to left-handed hitters, you know? Um, Because he's like always going to... I feel like he's always going to be able to hit for power there. And even in like his bad season there, he was still hitting like 35 home runs or whatever. So I feel like he will remain very valuable to them for a long time. And 13 years is so long that it's like, you could almost luck into being that good in 13 years to like make the playoffs and compete, you know, like it's, it's a anomaly that the Mariners have been out of the playoffs for as long as they have, like pretty much every other team I feel like has cycled through making the playoffs in the span of a 13 year window. Right. And they have like a lot of other good, like this is not, I, I, you know, as a Phillies fan, I'm like, 
slightly defensive actually like the rest of the team i'm like it's not just bryce harper so yes they should definitely not at all yeah they should definitely be good in the next 13 years it just it definitely um as a as a right as a person who knows a lot of phillies fans as well i'm also just like getting nervous already that they're gonna miss the playoffs again and that's gonna make people really angry <laughs> yeah well now if you told me that like john Middleton was going to like not be interested in owning the team anymore and he was going to sell to like a management group sort of like Josh Harris with the Sixers then I would be like okay this is an entirely different calculus because they might not spend the money to build around the big Bryce Harper contract but yeah I I I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I mean you you look at the rest of the division too, right? And it's like if not now when with the Phillies, right? Like the the Mets window is there, but it's not Bobby, pardon me, but it's not going to be there for that much longer. And the Nash- <laughs> and the Nationals are obviously still hanging around, and they have stars in their own right. But also, the baseball season is a crapshoot to some extent, and you could very easily see the the Phillies squeaking past the Nationals in any one of the the coming years. So, I to answer your your trade question, I want to say no, but maybe that's just me hoping they don't. I don't know. I mean, I hope they don't because I'm like incredibly unnecessarily partial to players staying on their teams. Yeah. Because it makes my life easier. I don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to like remember new, new facts. Um, but it just, it does feel, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm, I find the NL East the most interesting probably because it's like the division I just happen to know the most about. But it feels particularly interesting because it does feel like, are the Nationals going to win again? Or is it going to be disappointing if they don't? Like, are Mets fans going to finally get with it? You know, it just, it feels, it feels sort of, um, I could sell myself on it being like a really good story, kind of like whoever wins the division. But also I can see how all the rest of the teams other than the Marlins will be, like, we haven't even mentioned the Braves, who are like, I guess, maybe the most likely to win the division yeah. and then, and <laughs> then leave all yeah. these other teams incredibly disappointed. They're, they are my, my, the NL East is the microcosm for my overarching take, which is that like, Oh, it's very cool when you think about how good, how there's like a lot of really good, fun, young teams and they're all kind of going for it until you remember that that means that like three quarters of the fan bases are going to be devastated and calling for their manager to get fired by like August. I like how like three quarters of the teams are going to be devastated, and then there's like the Marlins, which are not right. You're like, and then there's going to be the Marlins, and then yeah. <laughs> well, I I hope that he doesn't get traded because Bryce Harper staring up at a at a moonshot home run is currently my phone background. So at the very least, it would cause me an incredibly minor inconvenience. <laughs> uh, plus, we would all have to learn. Yeah, we had to like memorize a new fact. Um, so you have told us kind of about this overarching storyline that you think if it, if it isn't the thing that we talk about day in and day out, that will kind of come to define the, the 2020 season, but are there storylines, whether they're overarching storylines or they rest on individual teams or even individual players that, that you're going to be paying close attention to that, you think we all should be paying more attention to? Like, is there a, is there an undercover team that you're particularly excited about or, or a prospect or something like that? Ooh, that's a good question. That's like, ugh, that's a kind of question that like, that's one of those questions that I'm not good at. And I wish I was because like all of my answers are so 
40,000 feet level. Like my immediate thought was like the ball, is it, you know, or is it going to be juiced? Uh, but that's like, you're like, you're looking for a more interesting, more niche answer. And you want to know, know what your where your heart hipster. takes you. <laughs> yeah. What, what is your, what could be your most hipster take about the season coming tell, up? Tell, tell me like, how the Marlins the, are actually going to be good. Like, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> I already had, a, if, if I thought the Marlins were going to be good, that would have been my bold prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. You think she would have buried that like 40 minutes into this segment? Right. No. If, I, if I was like. You would have been coming out guns up. blazing. Hey guys, nice to be back. Marlins are going to be good this year. All right, I'm done. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I think the ball is going to be interesting again, but that's, I guess, too big, too broad. What teams are going to be interesting? (sighs) I mean, I was just saying earlier tonight, I got dinner with my editor and I was saying that like, we, I, I, I live in New York and our other writer lives in LA. And I was saying like, it's so unfair because he's going to be spending all of his time covering the Dodgers who are like, you know, about to be the best team for the next decade. But like the angels are right there too. And they seem really fun. And yeah. like also not a hipster take to be like, you heard of this Mike Trout guy. Um, but I think that that's, I, I am excited to see the angels be fun and relevant but also still exists so firmly in the shadow of the Dodgers. Like (laughs) there's no, like I find that dynamic actually very, very interesting. And I think this year, like it could be even more like the, the kind of like, what if they're both really good would be really interesting this year, just because the Dodgers are so good. Like the Dodgers are just like stupid good to a level that it's not even fun and the angels are finally good to a level that it's fun. And like, I'm wondering, it's like, could the Dodgers, could the Dodgers have like talented their way out of actually being fun such that people circle back around and instead pay attention to the angels? (laughs) (laughs) I would, you know, I'd be more likely to say yes if they didn't just get Mookie Betts, who is like arguably the most fun player to watch in baseball. He's a delight. Big, big year for LA sports. Both basketball I mean. teams are good. Both both baseball teams are good. I don't know anything about hockey, and the the football teams kind of sucked. But who cares about that sport? That's uh, that's my like that's my non hipster. But like, yeah, I don't know. I just think like I think I think that we spend that like the the Dodgers have gotten so so good that it is literally somehow eclipsing the fact that like Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and now also Anthony Rendon play on the team in their same city. Like that's, that is a lot of baseball talent in one city. And that is like an underrated cool. Maybe the fact that like both LA teams are good and both New York teams are good. is just, I don't know. I mean the rest of whatever the rest of the country hates that. But like (laughs) for for me personally, I just think that that could be like a fun. The Royals fans listening to this podcast right now are so mad. (laughs) Yeah. I realize that right. I'm like, that's like the least fun, least hipster, least underground thing to say about baseball. But it's like, Hey, both New York teams are good and both LA teams are good. That seems kind of cool. We forgot to even mention the fact that the Royals probably don't have a chance of competing this year. That's how yeah, <laughs> that's the how Royals fans are, are mad at us that we didn't mention they lost a hundred games last year. <laughs> we forgot to talk about your team not contending. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're, you're very right about the angels, especially because it feels like we've been pushing like against this or pushing up to this for years now, right? And it's like they finally have like some fun young pitchers. Oh, Garrett elbow, Garrett Richards' elbow just got destroyed, right? Um, they finally got Shohei Otani, his 
elbow also got destroyed, right? And a lot of elbow problems. Lots of elbow problems. But they do not even have elbows. It's (laughs) it's such a bad it's just like a yeah. Yeah. Um but they also like do have this weird collection of superstars and like young like kind of question marks right like dylan bundy in an like give me a dylan bundy dude Renas- i'm in on Renaissance dylan bundy in, in i don't 2020. care what anyone says i'm picking that dude up week by week in fantasy i, I don't care <laughs> spot starting that guy left and right <laughs> um yeah i'm uh actually not to totally sidebar from this conversation right now but since we're on the topic of the angels Hannah, you mentioned before we started recording that there was an angel story that was in the in the process of breaking or unfolding that neither I nor Bobby knew anything about. Would you like to uh, Would you like to break the news to us on the podcast? This is why we bring yeah, okay. hard news reporters on the podcast. So, well, so I this is just a very confusing headline. Sources: Angels fire employee for supplying ball doctoring substance. What are your questions? I suppose my first question would be, what is the substance? It's not clear. <laughs> There's very little detail. My, I, my question is, to who? To like all of the pitchers? Did all of the exactly. pitchers have this? No, so you ask the correct question, which yeah. is, he was supplying it to, bum, 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 visiting pitchers. What? What? <laughs> Isn't that? So I was like, what is, I was like, really? And in particular, I like the first detail I read was like, uh, heart, this guy's name is Brian Harkins. And it was like Harkins known as Bubba began working for the angels as a bat boy in 1981. And I was like, Oh my God, they fired Bubba. Who's been working with the team since 1981. <laughs> That's devastating. And then it was like, he's now a, uh, he was then named a clubhouse attendant since 1990. He's been the visiting clubhouse manager and they're firing mm. him for supplying the ball doctoring substances to the opposing pitchers. Is this like a corporate espionage thing? Like he was mad at the angels. I don't know. Like, I think it was just like, he was, you know, whatever he was giving them the pine tar that they're all using. Like now we've established everybody's using pine mm. tar, but maybe they're going to stop using pine tar. It just seems like, I still have a lot of questions, to be honest, uh, but it seems like the the pun intended sticking point is that like now Major League Baseball is kind of like, hey, you guys shouldn't be cheating. So probably there's some dude who's supplying, like probably every visiting team clubhouse manager is supplying the pine yeah. to the visiting team pitchers. But it's it like just a wink, sounds, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, it just sounds so much more espionage like. <laughs> what what an incredible subplot to the baseball season that like you're a baseball team and when you go on the road you just kind of expect that the visiting clubhouse manager is just going to like hand you this vial of something that you can use during the game That's right like I was just I I like I don't know I think I'm sad that they fired him that seems mean it seems like the kind of thing that like oh I thought we all knew that this was happening all over baseball Yeah like he was pressured into doing it Right, but now I just have right exactly. Now I want to know like, are teams bringing the pine tar themselves, or is every clubhouse manager going to get fired for their pine tar hookup? 
Well, this is a great opportunity for you to be the person that writes the tell-all from his perspective, from That's Bubba's true. perspective. Bubba. Bubba tells all. He's been supplying pine tar to people for decades. Okay. <laughs> well, well, you said that the angels were going to be good this year, but now that they have fired Bubba, who the, the opposing pitchers no longer have access to this ball doctoring substance, I think the angels are going to be great this year. <laughs> Mike Trout is going to hit 400. <laughs> He's also going to get hit by pitches like 40 times. Um, the, yeah, the Angels are just getting out ahead of this. They're like, they're, they're, using, they're using the fact that MLB is like cracking down on pine tar to be like, get him out of here. <laughs> this is an Angels podcast now. Um, yeah. So I, I, now that we're just talking exclusively Angels, which I love, I want to ask you both, what because Alex and I haven't even talked about this, but... Uh, just like immediate gut reactions to the Mike Trout golf swing video. Oh, okay. oh my God. Um, I, I tweeted about this. I'm not that impressed. What? Okay. Are you I'm like, Anna, it's been really guy. enjoyable having you on this podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. Are I you like an really... LPGA pro? You're not impressed. So, no, with I don't know how to golf at all. Um, I just, so this is, this is, I'm, again, I'm doing the thing where I reference my own tweet. I tweeted a screenshot this is a screenshot of me G chatting with my husband and I just out of the blue. Oh, cause whatever we both work in baseball. So I knew he had seen it. I just said, it's not that surprising that Mike Trout can hit a golf ball very far. Like <laughs> the number one thing we know about Mike Trout is that he's very strong and has good like hand eye coordination when it comes to swinging a cylindrical object and hitting a round object. Like that's the number one fact we have about him. That's yeah. like, the only thing we know about Mike Trout, literally, that and weather. And then people were like, I can't believe this guy who's good at hitting baseballs is blowing my mind, also good at hitting golf balls. And my husband said, also, that's what it always looks like when people hit, confidently hit a golf ball. Like, yeah. Wait, yeah, that's what, that was going to be my follow-up point. Is that like, you know, 2019 was the year of cinematography. Roger Deakins was in the news all year around movies and Whoever was filming this video gave Mike Trout a real bump here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I would angle. look great hitting a golf Set ball from not, that angle. I don't know about all that. It just Have feels you... like, well, also it's like, it's a driving range. Like if, he, if you showed me a video of Mike Trout hitting a hole in one, like out on a golf course, I would be impressed. I'd be like, oh my God, I didn't know that Mike Trout was like a, a good golfer. But like, it's a driving range. The only <laughs> thing to do is hit the ball very far. Everyone who's there is doing that same thing. Like there's almost, unless, unless the ball goes out of the driving range entirely or Wait, somehow. It did though, didn't it? I feel like it went over that net. It like disappeared into the darkness, but like. I choose to believe Hannah. (laughs) My point is just like, there's almost no, like I don't ever need to watch if my, if I don't know, if my husband like went on a trip with his friend and he came back and he's like, baby, you want to see this video of me at the driving range? I'd be like, there's almost nothing that could happen in this video. That would be exciting. (laughs) Like it's just a bunch of people hitting a ball straight without even a target. Like, it's just like, you're like, yeah. All right. Yeah. You swung and you hit the ball and then the ball moved in that direction. Like there's just not, People were like, this is the most incredible video ever. And I was like, I felt like I was missing something because I was like, it played out exactly the way that I thought it would play out. <laughs> Here I thought bringing up this topic, we were all going to zig. And Hannah Kaiser, it was such a fantastic guest, <laughs> zags on us, Alex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, if you put like a, like a baseball tee in front of Mike Trout 
on home plate. And then we're like, here, hit it. Like, I, I don't think I would be incredibly impressed by that. And I guess that feels like a similar level of like craftsmanship that we're working with here. Right. Mike Trout probably thinks we're all like idiots for being impressed by this. He's like, guys, I'm used to hitting a moving ball. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, you guys all lost your fucking minds that I could hit a stationary (laughs) ball. I hit a moving ball for a living. They pay me millions of dollars to hit a ball that's trying to not get hit. Yeah, he walks. Like, he walks. Curves. <laughs> he walks into the front office and is like, points at Twitter and is like, "You guys owe me like four billion dollars." Right. Like, <laughs> um, Hannah, you've given us so much of your time, and this has been so much fun, um, and and really optimistic. We we appreciate your optimism on this podcast because we could use a little bit more of that from time to time. Um, but we want to kind of wrap by asking, or I wanted to wrap by asking at least, um, about bandwagon full season two am i correct this will be the the second season of doing it all year this will be the second season yeah i wanted to ask uh how you are planning on approaching that in terms of revisiting teams for a second and third time so we've talked a lot about how these teams have gotten yes uh very fun and a lot of them are convincing themselves that they can be competitive but uh as someone who has to do a video series once a week talking about a league of only 30 teams what are you looking forward to and what are you kind of dreading well so okay we should have planned this a little because it's a little bit of a secret right now. So very oh, much. Okay. I, I will say that I spent the entire off season thinking about that. <laughs> 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 I was like, wow, I made this great video series and it only works for one season. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I really backed myself into a corner with that conceit. Um, so uh, we spent a lot of time thinking about, how to grow the show uh, so that we don't repeat ourselves. Um, And I'm excited about it. We're still, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of like really boring um, kind of like job stuff behind the scenes that's happening with it, which is like part of why I'm being, if I, if I actually knew exactly what we were going to do, I would announce it. That'd be fun. Um, But I don't know. This is fun. You're building up suspense, playing it close to the vest. I love it. Uh, in part because things are stuff. in part because things are very stressful right now. They haven't fully stabilized. Um, but yeah, we. But that's a that is a very good question. That question occurred to me like basically as soon as the World Series wrapped last year. Yeah, the last day of last year. <laughs> I was like, oh god, why did I do this video series that only works one time through? Um, so we're we spent a lot of time thinking about it, um, and I'm excited for some of the options that we have for how to address it. Uh, and it will involve the thing that will change will be the structure of the show and not so much like, it's not like I'm like, Oh, this year we're only talking about, you know, people on the 40 man who are not on the 25 man. I don't know. We're not doing some sort of like weird, like that's the thing we're bandwagoning. We will Plot change. twist. You're bandwagoning yeah. NBA teams. Like <laughs> we're going to change the structure of the show and still pick like a team every week and talk about some part of that team. But yeah, tune in for season two. It'll hopefully be better than season one even. Yeah, we we usually end our interviews with guests asking what they want to plug, but I think we can just emphatically say, uh, go watch the bandwagon on Yahoo Sports with Hannah Kaiser this year. Please do. If you and it's like all old news from last year, but the like bloopers are still funny. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Hannah, thank you so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Is there anything else that you want to plug besides the bandwagon, your Twitter, where people can find your writing, that kind of thing? Um, you can find screenshots of me talking shit about Mike Trout at, at Hannah R. Kaiser, K-E-Y-S-E-R. On Unimpressed golf takes yeah, exactly. on Hannah R. Kaiser. <laughs> All the tweets referenced in this podcast. <laughs> All the tweets. And if you and if you search, I'm actually going to do it right now because I'm going to uh, Hannah R. Kaiser Lorenzen. Just making sure that I can, in fact, deliver on the. Uh, um, the yeah, form. yeah. If, never not thinking about Michael Lorenzen's face to bicep dissonance. <laughs> <laughs> And then it's just a thread of Michael Lorenzen's biceps. Oh, well, I know what I'm doing at the rest of my night. <laughs> um, thanks, guys. I was talking wood, isn't what the bed. City so damn great, I feel like Alexander. Way on halo like a hat, that's like the latest fashion. I got angels all around me, they keep me surrounded. Thank you again to Hannah Kaiser. She was such a great guest. Um, we hope to have her on many more times in the future. If we are lucky enough, uh, I think that's all we got for you this week. Alex, is there anything else that you want to leave the people with before we get out of here? You know, Bobby, I, I don't have anything this week and that feels really, feels really good. I think, uh, I think we've been bookending our episodes with little tidbits of news here and there, some serious, some not so serious. And, uh, and it feels good to just, uh, you know, have a, have a, have a chat about baseball with the lads i know we talked so much about like the upcoming season with hannah oh my like, God. we didn't even have to talk about the status of baseball and society or any big topics like we, we usually mentioned do. yeah we like touched on that once or twice and it was only a consequence of us like just talking about the standings <laughs> is there anyone else that you want to shout out specifically from spring training this year i watched uh watched the a's game against the dodgers today Saw Matt Chapman go yard in the first inning off Walker Bueller. That was really exciting. Uh, but is there anyone else that you've been watching this year in spring training that's particularly catching your eye? I mean, I have my blinders on because I'm an A's fan, but I'm so excited to watch Jesus Lizardo. Just every single pitch that he throws, my heart does a little like flutter. And frankly, it's it's really nice to feel that. I know how you have felt as a Mets fan for for years and years. I know I've been I've been kind of spoiled with the pitchers that I've gotten to watch come up in the last few years. Um, there's nothing more exciting than a fun young, fun young pitcher to come and refill the ranks at the major league level. Um, Jesus Lazardo has been reminding me recently with the kind of his short, strong stature and his windup and being a hard throwing lefty. Um, he's been giving me, and I I feel bad because I feel like I might be jinxing it by saying this, but so I'll knock on wood afterwards. But he's been giving me like. Johan Santana vibes? Is that too much? I if if you jinx him into becoming Johan Santana, I'm one hundred percent okay with that. You know, I was thinking more. I don't want to jinx him out of becoming <laughs> Johan fair. Santana. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I know that I know Bob Melvin would never leave him in for 132 pitches and tear up his arm because he's a great and responsible <laughs> manager. Maybe if he was a maybe if he was a position player, he might have a better chance of of throwing some more pitches. <laughs> Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, one final guest in our What Will Define Baseball in 2020 preview series. We thank you so much for listening to the first two episodes. We hope that you've enjoyed them. We hope that this is adding something instructive for you as a listener. Um, if you liked what you've been hearing the last couple of weeks, we would love it if you would go rate, review, subscribe in Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Uh, we're also really looking forward to the third annual All GIF Draft. I can't believe it's the third annual already. Um, so we hope that we get all that content in before the season starts. Thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you next week. Bye.